Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, October the 28th, 2022. It is currently 2.19 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where it's cold. Okay, I don't know what happened, but it's cold in Texas. Okay, it's, what, 55 degrees? I can't remember, 55, 54 degrees. It's something horrible. It's like the end of the world. We're shutting everything down. Everyone is told to get off the streets, to come inside, because it's too cold to be... Okay, I know, I know, you're laughing at me, but it it's serious. It's cold outside. And when it's cold outside, oh, there's also, we had rain, lots of rain last night. That was really cool. So we've had rain, it's cold, so that means the internet is acting up. But hopefully we don't have any problems during this live broadcast because it's Friday. It's Friday. That means we're fast approaching the end of another week. That means we're fast approaching another uh, the end of another week of Bible study, and we haven't spent a lot of time with our Bible study exercise this week, and I feel very, very bad about that, but it has been a crazy week. A lot of things have happened, and we haven't done near the number of live broadcasts that we should have, but sometimes, look, when I sit down in front of this microphone, I have to make it, okay, I need to talk about this, I need to talk about this, and there's always more to talk about than I actually... And sometimes there's more to talk about than I actually have time to talk about it. In some cases, I have the time, but exactly how many live broadcasts can I do? Like, I mean, if I do five hours, six hours, seven hours, eight hours trying to get to everything, I think we all know the reality. You don't have five, six, seven, eight hours you know, a day to keep up and listen to everything. And I'm very, I'm painfully aware of that. I wish, I wish everyone just had time to listen, but I, I know people do not. And not only that, you have other things to listen to. So um, I always have to choose. And sometimes I choose poorly. All right. Sometimes I probably should focus on this when I'm focusing on that, but hopefully whatever we do, it proves to be beneficial some way, shape or form. That's, that's at least that's the goal. But the Bible study exercise this week is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Someone posted on the Discord channel their notes of doing the chapter summary method on 2 Timothy chapter 3. And that made me very happy. All right. If one person this week did a chapter summary method of, of 2 Timothy chapter 3, then you know what? I don't even really need to do anything else. All right. I mean, there's nothing else I probably can even contribute because they, they, doing the chapter summary method on any chapter of the Bible, I mean, that is just an amazing method of Bible study. And I, I wish people, I, I wish people used it all the time because I think it would be very beneficial. But even though someone has done that, that's one. So on one on one case, I sh- on one hand, I should just say, you know what? That's it. I'm not going to do anything else. I, I I got one person to do it, the chapter summary method on 2 Timothy 3. I don't need to do anything else. I'm just going to quit while I'm ahead. I'm just going to retire. I'm going to retire from podcasting right now. No, I, but no, in all serious seriousness, I don't know really what I can add to that because I'm, I'm sure the person now probably knows the chapter better than I do. So, um, but what I'm going to try to do is to use the curriculum if you if you haven't been looking and I would really challenge you to, to go find uh, go to look at the curriculum if you have access to it if you don't email me uh, but if you have access to the curriculum please go look at the uh, first study they did for Hosea chapter one I think that that 
we re- we will we will do a live broadcast about that. We have to because there's some really good stuff there. But hopefully you've looked at the uh, curriculum for Second Timothy chapter three, and here we have a problem because I strongly disagree with their hypothesis. They they put forth their hypothesis of Second Timothy chapter three, and I completely one thousand percent disagree. We are not in agreement in our views on 2 Timothy chapter 3, and you know that I'm very strong about my views in regards to 2 Timothy chapter 3, all right? So we're going to use the curriculum a little bit, but I'm going to restate my hypothesis. I'm going to restate my my theory, and you can disagree with me. That's perfectly okay. I mean, you will be wrong, but you can disagree with me, but let's consider it, all right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, here we go. Thinking caps on, let's dig in. All right, on this Friday, here we go. Second Timothy chapter three. I'm going to read from the Bible that I have next to me. I have a, a number of them, so I may be uh, referring to different ones, but this is the one I have next to me. Second Timothy chapter three. But know this. There's something that you as a Christian, you need to know. There's something as a Christian you need to understand. You need to know. Knowing, understanding is of great significance to the Christian life. I want you to just consider how much, I want you to consider the significance of knowing in your Christian life. How important is knowledge? How important is knowing to the Christian life? And I think if you look at the the, the Christians you know and the churches you've attended, you have churches who really either focus on, and and I think this is true. You may disagree, but I think this is true. You got some churches and some Christians who for them, it's the feeling. It's the emotion. That is what is most important to them in the Christian life. What they feel, what they experience. It's the feelings. It's the emotion that really drives their Christian life. And they always need something to feed that, that feeling, to feed that emotion, to prop that feeling, those feelings up, to prop up the emotion, to lift up the feelings, to lift up the emotions. And so it may be they need the right kind of music, the right kind of speaker, the right kind of message, but it's how they feel. They, they, their, their Christian life is a lot about their emotions and feelings. There are other forms of Christianity and other Christians, you know, who much more about knowing, understanding, knowledge. Now, sometimes, and I think that that's very true, that there's really kind of two forms of Christianity. Sometimes, I think maybe the people who focus on knowledge need a little, maybe could learn something from the feeling and emotion side, possibly. But there's no question that the people on the feeling and emotion side definitely need to learn something from the knowledge side. There is no question about it. To me, feelings and emotions, I, I think we can all know this, is are they're very misleading because not, not, not only they're misleading, not only they can be dangerous, they go up and down. Right? If you live your Christian life by feelings and emotions, one day you're in the top of the mountain, and the next day you're laying broken and bloodied at the bottom of the mountain because you had a massive fall because the feelings change. But here in 2 Timothy 3 is this, to know this, there's something you need to know as a Christian. There's something you need to understand. And what is that? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, hard times 
will come in the last days. The King James perilous, perilous times will come uh, is the way the King James. I'll just read it all in the King James here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Dangerous times, difficult times, hard times, they will come. Now, that phrase, last days, has led to much speculation in the world of Christianity and biblical hermeneutics. Some say the last days began with really the first coming of Christ, his incarnation, and they stretch from the incarnation all the way to the end of time until Christ returning in his second coming. And so that encompasses everything. So then the, the, what he's describing has been present, is present, and will continue to be present. Right there, there's some possible truth to that. Um, I, I I think that there's a, an argument made. Others will say, well, it may encompass that time, but that doesn't mean everything spoken of in the last days is present through all of that period. In other words, the last days may encompass everything from the first coming to the second coming. It doesn't mean when you when something is described coming in the last days that it's been present that entire time. But somewhere during that period of time called the last days, these things will show up. Whenever this is speaking of, as Christians, we need to be aware of it, all right? We need to be aware of it. And what are these days? Well, this is what's going to happen. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demanding, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. Now, typically, this is preached as that that's referring to the culture. Hey, Christians, the culture you that you that you live in, the culture that you are around, the culture, the, the lost world, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and you're going to have to know how to deal with it. So 2 Timothy 3 is saying, hey, listen, this is how bad the world's going to get. And I reject that interpretation completely. I reject it outright. I don't believe this is referring to the culture. I believe it's referring to the church. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey, the church is going to get worse and worse and worse. And the things that are natural and normal in the culture are going to become natural and normal inside the church. You say, well, how do you know it's the church? Well, one, he's writing to Timothy about how to handle and minister in the church. But secondly, just the language. Why would he, why would he say, hey, things are going to get worse and worse and worse and that people are going to become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God? When has the lost culture, when has the lost world ever loved God more than pleasure? That's not describing the lost culture. That's saying inside the church, the people are going to love pleasure more than God. They're going to have a form of godliness. The church is going to have a form of godliness, but the people are going to be described in these ways. And they're, and here's the key. They're going to love pleasure more than God. And you're going to have to minister to them. You're going to find yourself in this situation. All Christians should be on the lookout that the church, 2 Timothy 3 is describing what's going to happen in the church. And it raises lots of questions. Well, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? 
And that's a, the, the end times church, the last day's church is going to be an absolute train wreck. And believers, the remnant is going to be in a really difficult situation. Now, the curriculum, they say, no, this is the culture. This is the culture. And they say this. I'm going to go down and read exactly leading up to this. So they describe everything, right? They describe. And this is what they say. All right. I'm going to just read a little bit of this because I want, I want, to, I want you to see their, their flow of logic, but we're going to take it and we're going to flip it and we're going to apply this to how, as a Christian inside the church, how should you think? All right, here we go. This is what they have to say. Indeed, we live in a time of spiritual anarchy. Sin abounds in our culture because sin thrives in every human heart. None of us is immune from the innate desire to approach the symphony of life in our own way. We all want to march into the rhythm of our own drum, but we, but we do not pursue this moral independence without damaging effects. When humans operate as if there were no universal standard of belief and behavior, negative consequences result. We hurt ourselves by our behavior, and far too often we hurt others as well. We fight over which ideology and way of life is best, and we ultimately end up lacking a love for what is good. Without God, humanity is like a giant orchestra where everyone plays his or her own song while following worldly conductors of their own choosing. Sin flourishes in our culture, but it should not surprise us. Christ followers have always experienced difficulties when sin abounds. We should not be shocked by it. As Christians, we live in a culture that is in conflict with God's word. Now, I'm going to flip this around. Now, as believers, we have sin inside of us. And time and time again, we look like an orchestra, right? We look like an orchestra playing whatever we want, and we run around choosing the conductors we want. We run around choosing the conductor who will, in a sense, look at what happens, all right? Look what happens in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I solemnly, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead, and because of this appearing, uh, uh, and because of his appear, appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. See what the, the, the curriculum just described the culture. No, no, no. The, you, you should be describing the church. The church is going to more and more and more turn into a place where everyone's playing their own instrument. It's going to be spiritual anarchy, and they're going to go choose the conductor that that will will itch their scratch their ears. You know, will will give them what they want to hear. That 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 that's exactly what is going to happen, and that is going to get worse and worse and worse. This is all related to the church. I mean, 2 Timothy 4, which is a, con a continuation, obviously, 2 Timothy 3, immediately he's like, what, preach, you're going to have to preach in season and out of season, but people are not going to want to hear it. He's not referring to the culture. The culture never wants God's word. The people in the church are not going to want God's word. 
right? So they focus on the culture, they focus on the culture, they focus on the culture, all right? So uh, this is what, so then he says, the, the uh, curriculum says this. In this world, Paul wrote that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. They themselves are deceived, thinking they know what is right when they do not. But they don't keep their deception to themselves. They seek others to join their course of deception. That's what happens in the church. This means that on any given day, we will likely face a barrage of deceptive ideas and behaviors contrary to God. That will happen inside the church. Sometimes they will come from outside the church. Other times, sadly, they will come from inside the church. Yes. At times, they may be obviously wrong, um, like pornographers, terrorists, loudmouth bullies, atheists, and such. But at other times, they could be more difficult to discern. Some political groups, social clubs, academia, cults, and perhaps even our own families. Whether obvious or not, Paul warns us against deception and believing or behaving in a way contrary to God. Cultural culture vies for our attention and competes for our allegiance. Left to ourselves, these competing voices and behaviors can confuse us, much like the disc- discordant muddle of the orchestra pre-concert tuning. In the world of competing worldviews and tempting voices, we might wonder, who is ultimately right? Whose direction do I follow? Which song was I created to sing? And the symphony of life, we might even convince ourselves that the off-key sound of the world is the proper note to which we should tune our lives, or the ultimate rhythm to which we're supposed to march. Again, they keep pu- putting the focus on the culture, the culture, the culture, the culture, the culture, the culture. And I know this is about the church. I cannot stress that enough. And I know you're saying, you've mentioned this, you've emphasized this. I know I can't emphasize it enough because I've heard thousands of sermons that completely obliterate, I think, the meaning of the text here. Now, look what the curriculum does. This is very important. That's why we need to conform our lives by an ultimate standard. And that standard is God's word. Paul highlighted two crucial ways God's word gives us wisdom to guard against deception. All right. Let's look at this passage and see, and what, what does Paul really kind of give us? They say two ways. Let's see what we can find. We're going we're gonna to walk through this. We're going to go from 2 Timothy 3 into 2 Timothy 4. And so let's, let's paint the picture. Here's the thing. Here's what you need to know as a Christian. The church is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. It's going to get bad, all right? In fact, again, as, as we, and you can look at all the things it has to say here, all right? Um, let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. You can look at all the ways that they are described here. Um, and in fact, it's going to get so bad, they, they're going to have a form of godliness, they're gonna, uh, but they're going to deny the power, they're going to love pleasure more than God, and then from among the, how bad it's going to be in the church, uh, from among them are those whom, whom worm their way into households and deceive gullible women, overwhelmed by their sins, and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, uh, just as, and it names some people, um, and then it says that uh, corrupt in mind, worthless in regards to the faith, but they will not make further pr- uh, progress for their foolishness will be clear. So it talks about all the bad things that's going to happen. You can read everything there. I don't want to. I don't want to get into anything that's going to lead us astray. But I, what I, uh, or lead us 
from the path I want us to focus on right now, okay? Because he mentioned some things with Moses and the Old Testament. And by all means, we should explore that, but just not right now. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. He explains the problem. He wants you to know, and he details and outlines the problem. And the problem is the church. It's going to get so bad. So then what is the solution? Well, if you start in 2 Timothy 3.10, I think 3.10 uh, into chapter 4, he kind of tells us what we're supposed to do. Here we go. 3.10. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. Along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's interesting. All who live a godly life will be persecuted. Now, this is not exactly where I want to go, but I want us to take a minute. If my hypothesis is correct, if my theory is correct, that this is describing what's going to happen in the church, then this is a warning that the persecution we may face will not necessarily be from without. At least in this context, the persecution would be pointing to the persecution that comes from within. Well, what do you think? The whole concept here is warning about how bad the church is going to get. I'm, I'm going to stand by that. I'm opening up my, uh, my King James here to the same passage. Because he says, talks about the persecutions, and he says in verse 12, Yet, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The persecution, I think, is going to happen amongst those who profess to be Christians. They profess to be Christians. They have a form of godliness. They deny the power. They love pleasure more than, than they love God. And if you come along and like, no, 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 this is wrong. We can't do this. This is wrong. This is not the direction the church is going to go. You're going to be pushed out. You're going to be, you're going to be considered the outsider. You're going to be considered the, the, in a sense, the alien, the foreigner. You're going to be considered the, you're going to be considered the apostate, the troublemaker, the legalist, whatever. You're going to be pushed out of the church. And these men, and look, look what it says. I think it's very important. I want you to see this phrase. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The world is already deceived. This is the church. Now within the church, there's going to be these seducers and they're going to deceive and they're going to be deceived. They're going to be deceived and they're going to deceive. And all of this deception is going to be going around. And the, and, and, and many Christians are going to be in the middle of this going, look at how bad things are getting within the church. The persecution, are we prepared for the persecution that arises from within Christianity? Now, what does he point to? Here we go. Verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned 
and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. As the church falls apart, what we have to run to is God's word. We have to remember God's word. We, the Christian will need God's word more and more. And this is going to be, just think about the picture that if, if, if my interpretation is correct, this is going to be a weird, bizarre time. The church is going to be the place that's persecuting you. The church is going to be a place where they love pleasure more than God. The church is going to be where people are being deceived and are deceiving. The church is going to be a place where they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The church is going to be really, 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 really messed up. So what do you go? Where do you turn to? You're going to have to remember what you have been taught in the word of God. You are going to need the word of God. Think about this to survive the church. I know this, I know this flips everything upside down from the way this is typically preached. Everyone says, no, you need the word of God to survive the culture. No, you're going to need the word of God to survive a evil, seductive, deceptive church. If, if, if I am correct. It just, it makes no sense that this is referring to the culture. The culture is, you can't say, well, the culture is going to become this way. The culture has been this way since the fall. Just read Genesis. Everything that's mentioned there in 2 Timothy 3, that in the last days, men are going to be like this. That describes the culture throughout the entire Bible. This is going to be the church. You've got, you're going to need to remember the word of God. That's what you're going to need. You're going to need the word of God. The church may change. The church may fall apart. But the word of God, why? I know someone's going to say, but, but the gates of hell will not prevail. I understand that. But this is saying that the time is coming that the church is going to get worse and worse and worse. I'm not saying the gates of hell will completely prevail against it because Jesus made that very clear that it wouldn't, but something, if we, we, the only way to understand this is something bad is going to happen in the church. But here's the thing, whatever happens in the church, whatever happens in the lives of Christians, whatever happens in the lives of pastors, the word of God stands above. It transcends all of that. It stands untouched. It stands uncorrupted. It's, it stands pure. You're going to need to know it. And then look at what happens. So you're going to need to know the, the Holy Scriptures because they're going to they show you how to be saved, right? They make you wise unto salvation. They're going to make sure you, you understand salvation. But that's what you're going to need. And then look at this. All Scripture is given by inspiration for God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. The church may no longer be the place. If if we are understanding 2 Timothy 3 to be about the church, here's, here's what's going to happen. The church may no longer be the place for doctrine. The church may no longer be the place for reproof. The church may no longer be the place for correction. The church may no longer be the place for instruction in righteousness. The church may no, may no longer uh, thoroughly equip you unto every good work, but the word of God will still be there doing all of those things.
cannot stress that enough. Paul, going, I'm quoting from the curriculum, Paul also pointed to the scope of the scripture's effects. As we regularly take in God's word, it comprehensively works inside us. It transforms us from the inside out. Most specifically, it matures our faith and equips us to, to live holy lives. God's word is profitable for doctrine. From scripture, we learn how to think rightly about God, ourselves, and others. God's word is profitable for reproof. Like seeing blemishes in a mirror, scripture shows the sinful ways we miss God's mark. It exposes our sin. God's word is profitable for correction. Scripture just doesn't just show us what we've done wrong or what is wrong. It redirects us back to what is true and right. God's word is profitable for instruction. The regular practice of teaching, rebuking, and correcting ultimately trains us to walk in the righteousness of Christ. It is God's word that's going to do all of these things. It's God's word. It's God's word. It's God's word. You need to remember. So here's the, you need to remember. Think of it this way. Uh, when the church begins to fall apart, you're going to need to remember God's word. And you're definitely going to need to remember what it says about salvation. But then you're going to have to, in a sense, use and allow God's word to do its work, which is, look at 2 Timothy 3.16. It is to, it is a doctrine. So you can say this, it teaches. Let's do this. This is what the word of God, you have to, you're going to need the word of God because it will do the following. It teaches, it reproves, it corrects, it instructs in righteousness, and it will equip you unto all, to every good work. The word of God teaches, the word of God reproves, the word of God corrects, the word of God instructs in righteousness, and the word of God equips. Now, that puts a great responsibility upon yourself. Not just to say, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, no, the church is going to get worse and worse and worse. And then, oh, let, let's, let's continue. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of the appearing uh, and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, rebuke, correct, and encourage with pa great patience and teaching. If you look at those words, that very much corresponds to what God's word does. So what Paul is telling Timothy, hey, when, whenever the church gets worse and worse and worse, we are going to need preachers. So this is now a... Now, for you, you've got to hold on and remember what God's word says about salvation, and you've got to remember what God's word does. It teaches, it instructs, it reproves, it corrects, all of those things that we just mentioned. But for the preacher, what they have to do is no matter how bad the church gets, we've got to hold on to God's word, right? For every preacher, right? For everyone, and Sunday school teacher, it doesn't matter. Anyone who teaches, Christian podcaster, it doesn't matter, what we have to do is we've got to hold on to God's word and we got to, and listen, uh, we've got to preach the word and be instant in season and out of season, right? So in other words, in season, everyone loves it. Out of season, nobody loves it. So when it gets worse and worse and worse, you got to just maintain. And what do you preach? The word of God. And compare this. I just think it's interesting. Look at, look at uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and then equipping that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. And then look what the preacher is supposed to do. 
Preach the word, be in, uh, instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The, the preacher is to take the word of God and, and use the word of God for what the word of God is designed for. That's what we're to do. And, and is it going to go great? Oh, no, 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 no. It's not going to go great because the time is going to come when they will not endorse sound doctrine. Those in their church are going to be like, no, silence. No, I don't go get, we want, we're going to find someone or we'll leave. We'll go somewhere else. But after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction. And see, the affliction is going to arise from inside the church. It's going to be inside the church. Endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. 2 Timothy 3 and 4 is, is giving Timothy instructions on how to deal with what's going to happen in the church. And as a believer, you've got to be prepared that the church is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And what do you need to do? You've got to turn to God's word. Remember what it says about salvation. Remember what it says about the, the or, or allow, the, allow the word of God to do what it's designed to do, to do the work that it's designed to do. And then for the preacher, he's got to maintain and use the word of God for what it's designed for, knowing that it, it's going to go out of season. Has to maintain, has to focus. I think that I think that changes the entire way of interpreting Second Timothy chapter three and four. That that's really the goal of the Bible study exercise this week is to really get you to rethink how to approach these two chapters. Now, for the person who did the chapter summary method, I haven't had a chance to ask them, but I'll do it here if they're listening. I, do you agree or disagree? If you disagree, that's perfectly okay. I want to hear your reasons why. I want your scriptural justification. I, I don't think anything makes any, I don't think it makes any sense by, about the culture. But Christians always like, no, see, the culture is going to get worse. But in here, we're going to be all good. <laughs> no, no, no. Inside the church, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. You say, what, what's that going to mean? Well, I don't know. It means lots of Christians are going to be in a really difficult situation. But guess what you do have? You have the word of God. And hopefully there will be preachers out there who'll say, no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to continue to preach the word of God in season and out of season. And I'm going to rebuke. I'm going to reprove. I'm going to instruct. I'm going to equip because that's what the word of God does. All the preacher, all the preacher really is, is just, the, the preacher is just to, you take the word of God and use the word of God for what the word of God is designed to do. That's all I'm supposed to do. I, all I'm like the word of God is, is the issue. I'm just to kind of like, okay, I just got to give that, use the word of God for what it's designed to do. I don't need to be clever. I don't need to come up with new plans and schemes. I'm like, here's the word of God. I'm going to reprove, rebuke, correct, instruct, equipped, teach, that's what I'm going to do because that's all, that's all, that's all, all the pastor is really irrelevant. He's, he's no one. He's just, he's like, here's the word of God. And I'm just going to funnel it to the people doing with it exactly what it tells me to do. Really, the, the, the more the preacher disappears, 
And the more the people are confronted with God's word, and the pastor becomes almost irrelevant, becomes anonymous, that's when things are bad. When people see the pastor and not the word of God, that's the problem. And I look, I'm guilty of it. I try my best to, 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 get, to just say, well, it's the word of God. 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 But then people are like, I don't like him and I don't like this. And I don't like this about his personality. And, and then it becomes, it becomes personal and people no longer see the word of God. They see the person. Well, no, no matter how hard I try, that happens. I wish I could be anonymous. I try to be anonymous. But there you have it, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4. I believe it's Paul giving instruction to Timothy about how bad the church is going to get, not how bad the culture is going to get. So don't look to the newspaper. Look to our, uh, sites that are reporting what's going on in the church and then say, wait, I think the perilous times have come. Now, what do you do? Remember God's word? Hold on to it? what it teaches about salvation. Remember what God's word is designed to do. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, equipping. And what is the preacher to do? The same thing with God's word, no matter if it's in season or out of season. And understand that persecution is going to arise from where? Inside the church. There you go. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We'll, we'll, we'll talk tomorrow about where we're headed for the Bible study exercise. We'll see. Um, we're going to, we'll see. I, I, we're we're going to follow the curriculum and uh, we'll see where, where, where we're going to end up. And uh, hopefully it will be, uh, we, we can, I think we're going to continue to dig in this topic a little bit. I haven't looked at the curriculum further out, but we will look at it further out and come up with a plan. But uh, just remember, the Bible study exercise will always be here trying to do ex exactly one thing, not hopefully point you to me, but point you to the scriptures, because that's what you're going to need. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.